As we promised at the top of the program, we're now going to talk about some local politics with uh, some people we're very proud to be associated with. In this case, Jeff Von Kainel, who's the the founder, I think, of the Sacramento News and Review. There's been a little bit of a dust-up lately with the mayor, and we want to have Jeff talk to us about it and what the paper is up to in regards to fundraising and some efforts they're doing to support investigative journalism. Welcome back to Radio Parallax, Jeff Von Kainel. Well, thank you so much. Glad to be on the show. Well, we're glad to give you a chance to talk about some of this because this is a subject that's near and dear to our hearts. Uh, I have to start off, Jeff, by noting with some astonishment that we're in the United States of America. You don't expect the mayor of, of, a, of, a, of a community to sue the local uh, uh, newspaper. This is something you'd expect to happen like in Honduras. One thing to sue a newspaper is the other thing to sue a newspaper because they did a public information request. I've never, in my um, 40 years of the business, I've never heard of anything like that. And nobody else I know has ever heard anything like that. So I think it's purely kind of an intimidation suit. Well, yeah, I have to ask. I mean, uh, it sounds like it's pretty shaky legal grounds, but yet you're having to defend yourself, so there must be a possibility that the mayor can prevail. The mayor's not going to prevail, and, and so far in all the court hearings, he's not going to prevail. I, I mean, I think a lot of this stuff is, is um, with the, the threat of us having of the legal fees, not the outcome, is what the real threat is. And, of course, that actually occurs. Well, I guess it stands to reason that, you know, if somebody files something against you, and I know something about this subject, you are obliged to respond, even right. if it's a frivolous uh, lawsuit or doesn't have merit, because if you don't respond, then he can carry the day. What's occurred is then, um, we, of course, we won that, um, the, the first round, and, but then we went further and said, you need to release these emails. These are part of the public record, and this, um, the, the attorney-client privilege you're talking about is, is, is the smokescreen, frankly. And so we're pursuing it, um, and it's revealing a lot of information that I think needs to get out there. Well, Jeff, a lot of people, have, we've talked about it in this program, people have followed it in your paper and other local uh, journalistic outlets. Can we just kind of do a brief review of what, what all went down here that, that, that started all of this? We have been following the mayor, of course, very um, closely over the last, um, you know, seven years. And looking at, you know, certain, you know, both good and bad things that he's doing. One thing that I think that there is a concern is how he set up a apparatus that is semi-city, semi-not-city. And he's engaged in having city employees engage in activities which are his own personal agenda outside of the, the city business, like the um, African Mayor's um, Caucus. And that he set up the emails, similar to kind of a Hillary Clinton situation, where there, uh, he combined personal and private and public emails combined which um, is horrible in terms of transparency. And so we filed a public information request, which, um, and then he came back and then sued us, saying that we're violating his client attorney privileges, uh -huh. which is um, ludicrous. I mean, in that how are we supposed to know if the emails which we haven't seen are attorney-client privileged. I mean, who makes who should do that? Of course, is the city attorney who has access to the emails, not us. But it was so that's why it's, it's basically harassment suit. So he sued us. He sued the city. He sued the B also, but the B then backed off, and we we pursued it. 
So in, in terms of a U versus the B, you're still saying that we want to see this information, the B said, out of hell with it. Is that, is that, is that a fair summary? And, well, the B, after, the, after, after everything came out, the B now wants to see it also. Of course. Okay. But why the B backed off, I don't know. For me, what occurred personally is I got this call saying the mayor's going to sue us and on this, nice, and I, I ignored it because I thought it, it was so ridiculous that I thought it was just a ruse. Uh-huh. And then I was stunned when there, they actually filed papers. There seems to be real effort to have the waters thoroughly muddied over what are private communications between the mayor and his attorneys and other things that were regarding the city proper, and then uh, some other stuff regarding this this whole thing about the uh, you know the the, the the national conference of mayors, etc. How can one go out and separate uh, you know what's what? I think you need to have a separate divisions there, but I, but the mayors just mix those things up already so yeah. much to his advantage, really, because he can always claim that you know well this is this is really about my my uh, my attorney client uh, materials, but in some cases not. The attorney client privilege stuff is very. It's a very set sort of things that you have to do in terms of not tell other people, et cetera, et cetera. I don't think that was occurring here. I think this is like more like you went to uh, made a confession to your priest and wanted it to be private, but then you posted it on your Facebook page. <laughs> uh, Fair enough. You have a piece here, uh, an editorial piece in the recent um, SNNR talking about uh, some of this material, and, and I'm sort of shocked to realize, Jeff, you're pointing out that Legal cases are expensive, and your legal bill is currently approaching $30,000 and rising. That, that's, that's, yeah. a, that's a significant chunk of change. Part of the problem with the legal system is that it is so expensive, and then, and then you have tremendous income inequality. So you can have organizations that have lots of money, just like they have lots of money for doing lobbying or um, you know, raising a million dollars for a strong mayor case or, or whatever, and so they're like a game of poker where they just ask you to raise until a certain amount you can't make it. It's just a, a bowling tactic. We're fighting this case, and so part of the goal that we have is um, we want to... People came up to us and said, we'd like to contribute to your legal fund. Like, we hadn't even thought about that. We just thought this was, you know, part of the cost of doing business, and we'd have to cut back on other things to pursue the lawsuit. So we set up this fund to both help pay for legal costs and then to raise money to do journalism, which we're excited about. And we've gotten a phenomenal response. And the second part of it, I think these bullying tactics are commonly used. And, we, and so if, if uh, the response of the community goes, we're going to help people stand up to a bully, that's going to discouraging other bullying activities, as opposed to putting their head down and hoping the bully doesn't come for you. Kind right, of attitude. right. And, and so we're really encouraged here, and we'd like to send out a message that these kind of tactics are wrong. And when it's done here in Sacramento, people should come together and then say no, and we're going to support it so it doesn't, the person doesn't receive damage, so we, we discourage these kinds of things. Well, what a chilling effect this, this would have if, if uh, every politician could go out and, and sue publications that, that, that went forward with things they didn't care to see in print. I mean, it would have a very, uh, a very chilling effect on any sort of investigative journalism anywhere. Right. So we have the GoFundMe site, which has already um, accumulated $4,000 in the last 36 hours or whatever. And then we, other people are contributing money. And then we have the event coming on September 16th. Yeah, talk about that. Where, what's, what, where, where are you going to have this? We're having a 10-22 um, over in Old Sack. Um, so it's like any news review event, the crowd is the attraction. 
I'll be always get an eclectic, interesting, funny <laughs> group of people that show up to any event that we have. So, uh-huh. um, so we'll keep um, the remarks relatively short so people can enjoy the audience. And, and then it's um, to raise money for the fund. And then if more money is raised than for the legal fund, which we're hoping and expecting, then we're going to pour the money back into doing some more investigative stuff. Which the which I, there's a lot to do. It, it, ironically, as this controversy has been going on, people have been coming with phenomenal story ideas that we really want to pick up on. I, I know you note in your piece it's unusual for a for-profit business to ask for donations, but you're, you know you're raising money for more journalism, more stories, and more reporting. Right. And clearly, we need to get more journalism out there. So we're we're hoping this is a new avenue. Well, something else I want to throw in here in our discussion, oh, sure. uh, Jeff, is the fact that uh, you know we're talking about the Sacramento News and Review. There are other two. There are two other news and reviews out there. Uh, they're thriving publications in Chico and Reno, and uh, uh-huh. of course they're in the same boat. You are having to cover local stories in, in those in those venues. And and let's let's give a plug to your your sister publications. The genesis of the News and Review is that um, we were the student paper on at Chico State, and we got kicked off campus in 77 for writing stories that the administration didn't like. I did not know and this then, story. <laughs> and then the paper published for three years and was kind of go, was going bankrupt. Essentially. So I came up in 80 and took it over and then built it up. And then we came down here in 89 to start the Sacramento paper, and then I took over a paper in, in Reno in like 94. So we had the three papers, um, very different communities, but we're like... Um, our circulation is growing in all three papers. We're up to 42,000 in Chico with the dailies at 13,000. We're at 80,000 here in Sacramento and 30,000 up in Reno. Uh, so it's like we're finding a tremendous demand for the paper in all three places. And, um, and all three committees are very different and the papers are different. But they all have that same, I think, um, core kind of value of, of wanting to stir things up and wanting to speak truth to power. And it really care about making the community a lot better. Well, absolutely. I, I, I noticed that they really are independent. When I read the Chico paper, there's there's not a lot of content from, from Sacramento or vice versa, and I'm wondering, uh, isn't there a role for more credit of cross-pollination in the future? Well, I, we do some, you know, some cover stories we share in part, but it's, the goal is putting out a paper that it really responds to the people in each of the towns. And um, there's like so many local stories that aren't being covered. It would be more economical to repose the same stories in every paper, but it's not, I don't think it would serve the readers as well. This program is also uh, broadcast on KZFR in Chico, so I wanted to make sure that we did uh, reach out to oh, the people right. up in Butte County and remind them that uh, a lot of listeners may want, want to uh, you know, participate in what's going on up in the Chico News and Review. Chico is such a great town, and it's been, uh, and, you know, because I lived there uh, from 80 to 89. Um, we built the paper, and it's, uh, in fact, it's up there earlier today. I'm just really proud of what we were able to do in Chico and the impact we've had over the years. I just think it's a very different town because we were able to keep, we were able to publish the paper. You know, I, I did not know this story. I, I'm, I'm just so pleased to hear this. I mean, I've been doing this for a very long time, so this has been a tremendous experience. I got involved in papers uh, in 73. I was doing civil rights and anti-Vietnam stuff, and so there was a group that formed a paper, and we, we won a city council election, which stunned the hell out of me. <laughs> and, and, and so I thought this piece demonstrating, so I started working at the paper for free. So that's my beginning, way back then. That's inspiration for others to follow in your footsteps, Jeff. 
I always comment on, on this program that it's a very strange state of affairs that we have to call a journalist that actually digs out stories and doesn't just take handouts that's hand, that, that are given to him by various agencies as a special type of a journalist, an investigative journalist. But uh, right. we, we need a lot more of that kind of reporting out there, and I know that, that you're interested in, in, in supporting all those efforts. I'm looking at um, trying to figure out how we're going to produce papers in 2016 to 2020, and we're looking at really having a kind of a combination hybrid uh, NPR and news review model, where the core paper with the 80,000 circulation and, you know, the 60 pages or so is supported by our marijuana ads and, and bar ads and stuff, but then we get um, additional revenue to hire reporters to do things where there's no revenue stream, like homeless coverage and, right. and uh, investigative stuff. And uh, I can tell you, Doug, that no time I've ever run a homeless story that uh, no jewelry stores ever called me up and said, <laughs> that was really great. I, I can't wait to put my ad next to that. And, um, but I think in terms of dollars spent, the the impact of those kinds of stories are phenomenal. So for people that care about those issues, which I know there's so many, I think we can be a very good investment. And then to have a firewall where, you know, it's like we still have the independence. Now, the other aspect that's really good about this is that if all the money is raising only pays for additional um, reporting and additional pages that need to get printed, but no money comes back to the rest of the organization, I'm always in a position to say no. <laughs> I don't okay. want to do that story. Okay. It makes no sense. We've proven over the years that our ability to kind of like do stories that are going to cause us economic harm beyond reasonable doubt. I think with this new hybrid, we're going to be able to do a lot of great journalism, and I think real interest in that. You guys are managing to hold your own in a very tough uh, uh, market for, for, for you know someone that has to depend on advertisers. You note in your piece that uh, Tower Records used to be your largest account, and and they've right. gone by the boards, and yet you're you're still doing well and, and managing to thrive in this in this difficult time. And whereas, uh, let's just say your competitor, the B, does not seem to be doing so well. So it's it's a tough tough thing out there. One of the great things is we don't need to get the same kind of revenue that they do to be able to survive. And I think like just like when any environment changes, mosquitoes can do much better than bears. There's lots of ways to figure out how to get our revenue stream. The, the bees' revenue stream is virtually impossible with a changing ecosystem. And I think our kind of explanatory weekly kind of journalism, where the stuff that we're doing is nowhere else online, also lends itself to this new kind of environment. Well, where do you see that going in the future? I, I read you guys sometimes online, but I like to have the paper in my hands because I'm old school. I mean, is it going? Are you going to be uh, phasing out? Uh, actual publications? I mean, some people seem to talk that up. I, I hope not. A lot of people do that. They, they, they keep talking that way. Then they find that they go out of business very shortly thereafter. <laughs> I mean, it, it's, um, I mean, the online stuff is just not that effective in terms of cash. You know, 10 years ago, there was people were optimistic, but then the banner ads or, or income is just like plummeted. And there's, there's been no effective models of kind of online papers. So, because you don't see the ads. Right. And as people switch the phones, they're seeing less of the ads. And then when they bring on software that kicks out the ads, of course, they won't see the ads at all. Right. It'd be nice if all journalists were independently wealthy and they didn't need to get paid, but that doesn't tend to be the case. And so if there's no revenue stream, there's not going to be any journalism. Right. And I, this is a, certainly a concern to me. I mean, everybody wants to, I mean, people like the Huffington Post. Uh, 
seem to make a lot of money, and uh, they, they want to do it with free content. They want everybody just to contribute and not pay them. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's frightening. I'm confident that, uh, you know, that seeing what NPR has done, and I think the re- kind of response we're getting on this Kevin Johnson case, that there will be ways that um, we can go into this new world and be effective and, and then make sure we get great journalism out there. Indeed. We feel very, very fortunate and the, the support that, w- that we've gotten all these years and, and, and lucky that we get to put out a paper that we love with people that we love in the communities that we love and the impact. And so this r- brush up with the mayor, which we weren't expecting, and the outpouring of support that we've received has been great. And so uh, this has really encouraged us to kind of rethink what we're doing and then knowing that people are, are so supportive of I think um, the kind of work that we're doing, ways that we can add more resources to that so we can do a better job for our communities. So I hope people come to our event, and I know there are already a lot of contributing to the GoFund. And then we're open to kind of figure out new ways that we can be more effective so we can do a better job. Well, I certainly will be there on September 16th at, at 1022 in Old Sacramento. I'm sure a lot of people listening both on KDVS uh, and KZFR and probably some, some, some staffers in both those stations as well will show up to support you guys, and, uh, and, and I look forward to seeing you there. Well, thanks for having me on the air. I really appreciate it. Yes, and come again as this continues to develop. Okay, thanks. Let's take a break. I'm Douglas Everett. You're listening to Radio Parallax.